Good evening. Isn't it wonderful to see the sun? Yes? Summer's finally here. So as um, Andrew's just said, we're in the second week of our, seri- our summer series on uh, the Gospel of Mark. And uh, I'm going to be speaking this evening about following Jesus, as Andrew said, but specifically following Jesus into a bigger future. Following Jesus into a bigger future. So let's get straight into uh, our Bibles. If you've got a Bible or if you've got a phone, I'm going to be reading uh, the passage for today, which is from, uh, obviously, Mark's Gospel. We're in chapter 1, six verses, verses 14 to 20. I think it's going to come up on the screens, but if you've got a Bible, it's always good to get one out and have a look in and actually follow the passage as we go. So, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The gospel of God, the the stuff that Jesus brings and talks about and shares and opens our minds and our hearts to is always good news. It's good news. So Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said, and I will make you become fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This week, um, or Bank Holiday Monday and uh, Tuesday following, uh, those of us on the SLT, on the senior leadership team, we were in London at HTB at their annual leadership conference. And uh, we had the phenomenal privilege of hearing a whole pile of incredible people uh, speaking to us over the course of those two days. Uh, We heard from a woman who is um, the governor in one of the high-security jails in East London, sharing how she's bringing her faith into that jail and changing a culture there. So inspiring. We heard uh, from a woman who had been a, a child during the Rwandan genocide and had been trapped uh, as a kid with seven others uh, for 90 days in a bathroom as the uh, 100-day genocide was going on, fearing every day for her life, and she became a Christian in that bathroom. We heard from an American civil rights lawyer who uh, is an absolute crusader for social justice, an amazing man. We heard uh, from um, another pastor in America and his wife, who are the subject of a reality TV show in America. Uh, They were a bit different. And we heard from a world expert, one of the world's, if not the world's greatest experts on leadership, and, and an author who has sold millions and millions and millions of books. It was a real privilege to be there. Very inspiring, very thought-provoking, very stimulating, very rich to be in the presence of world-class leaders who were kind of there inspiring us and encouraging us and the rest of us that filled the Royal Albert Hall uh, to be better and bigger in our leadership. But most of us have a desire, whether we're leaders or not, to press on into a bigger and better life 
to make an impact in this world. Those people that were talking to us were kind of making an, an impact on an absolutely world-class, world, world stage level. But we all have a desire to make an impact in this world, in this life, to become a better, bigger, uh, greater version of ourselves. The author, Mike Bickle, he reckons that the desire to become great and the desire to make an impact are two of the seven greatest longings of the human heart. I don't know whether he's actually right, but there's definitely truth in it. I wonder if you relate to those desires, the desire to make an impact, the desire to be great. When my kids were younger, they've grown up into young adults now, but when they were younger, we used to see you know, the Superman outfit, the Spider-Man outfit. You know, one of them wanted to be Usain Bolt, the other one wanted to be you know, at different points in time, Rio Ferdinand or whatever his name is. Funnily enough, nobody ever wanted to be a third division footballer that nobody else had ever heard of. You know, when we're young, as children, we aspire, don't we, to be some of the, or to emulate our heroes, to, to do something great, to be something great. I wonder tonight if you relate to that kind of desire, to be a greater version of yourself, to make more of an impact on this earth than you're already making. Some of you, you'll have dreams tonight. You're sitting here and you've got a dream or you've got dreams hidden in the shadow of your heart. Maybe you haven't shared it with anybody, but you're sitting on a dream, you're living with a dream. Others of you, maybe you don't have a dream. You don't relate to something specific that you want to do with your life, but you know that you want to make a difference, you want to make an impact, whether you believe that you ever will or not. Well, hear this this evening. That desire, those desires, to live a bigger life, to become a better version of yourself, to make an impact in this world, in this life, they're because you have been made in the image of God. God has written those desires into your DNA. You're made in his image. You're made in his image. He designed you and me for greatness. He designed us for a significant life. He's made you to live a life that goes beyond the borders of ordinary. But there's only one way to find that life. There's only that way, there's only one way to become who he has intended for you to become, who you can become, uh, as it were, because of your spiritual DNA. And it's not going to leadership conferences, good as they are. It's not working really, really hard to invest in your abilities and talents, good though that is. It's not expanding your network of contacts and influences, helpful though that might be at times. It's not by doing whatever it takes to get noticed in the world and ending up with you know, huge numbers of followers on Instagram. The only way to walk into the fullness of the life of influence and impact that you've been made for is by following Jesus. It's as simple as following Jesus. Look at verse 17 in the passage that we've just read. Jesus rocks up alongside a couple of fishermen at the end of an ordinary day's fishing, a couple of guys who basically make their livelihood catching fish. 
That was a pretty good business in those days. You would be pretty pleased if you had a fishing business and you were able to supply food and feed others. And they did pretty well out of it. If you notice in the second boat, they were those guys that Jesus called ended up leaving hired men. So they had enough money to hire other men as well as just tend to their boats and, and make the business work. Plenty of people would have been really happy to have a fishing business. So Jesus calls out to them, and he walks by them. He sees them uh, by the Lake of Galilee, and he says, follow me. He says, follow me. And I reckon he could have stopped at that, because Jesus was a people magnet. There was something about him that attracted people around him to him wherever he went. Jesus was a people magnet. He could have stopped there, but he doesn't. He says, follow me. And then he follows it up with a promise. And he doesn't say, follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to behave really, really well in this life. He doesn't say, follow me, and I'm going to turn you into a nice person. He doesn't say, follow me, and you'll end up being a really, really moral person. He doesn't say, follow me, and I'm going to make your life really peaceful and really comfortable and really good. He says, follow me. And I'm going to make you into fishers of men. He's promising them an upgrade. Now, he could have said, you know, some of the things I've said to you, he could have said, you know, and if we listen to some of our, our kind of religious commentators, he would have said, follow me and I'm going to clean up all your sin. Follow me and I'm going to take the punishment from you that you deserve. And all of that is true. He could have said that because it's true. Jesus came to reconcile us to God, to enable us to have a relationship with the God in heaven who loves us, to deal with everything that gets in the way naturally of our relationship with him, of us receiving our love and of us loving him back. But do you know what? We reduce the gospel so often to just Jesus dealing with our sin. You know, it's a bit like, you know, when I'm making something and I, I leave it in the pan and I go away and I come back and all the liquid's boiled dry. You know, we can reduce the gospel to something less than it is. And this is Jesus at the beginning of Mark's gospel saying, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. He's promising them an upgrade. He's promising them an upgrade. If you were a fisherman, if you were somebody who fished, what would you rather fish for? Fish that people eat, that goes into their system and then kind of comes out into the sewage works somewhere? Or would you rather fish for human lives? Would you rather fish for human lives that are going to last forever? He's inviting them into a life of significance and impact. A life for each one of those that is going to impact other people's lives. Hopefully for eternity. Sure! It was going to look different to what they were expecting. I bet at the end of their lives, none of them would have anticipated at that moment when Jesus said, follow them, that it was going to turn out the way it did. I bet it you know, blew their minds and was beyond their wildest dreams. And sure, it probably wouldn't have taken the route that they might have anticipated. And yes, the life that he was leading them into was a life that was going to bless the lives of others and change the lives of others. That's where significance comes from. But he's inviting them to an upgrade. He's inviting them to an upgraded life. But this promise, this promise of a bigger life, it's attached, isn't it, to an invitation. He's saying, hey guys, I'm going to make you fishers of men, but you'll become great. You'll make an impact by following me.
It's an invitation, isn't it? An invitation to a life of impact is an invitation to a relationship, a journey of intimacy with him, to be a friend of him. And he doesn't hand these guys as he says, come on and come over here, come over here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you fishers of men. He doesn't hand them each a big file with lots of instructions about how to become fishers of men so that they can just go off and do it and uh, get on with it and have the lives that you know, might, maybe they might have dreamt of. He says, come with me, stick with me, hang out with me, get to know me, come where I go and I will change you, I will transform you, I will change your life, I will transform your life and it will have a bigger impact than you could ever have imagined. And I love this about Jesus. He's really upfront with them. He says, if you come with me, I'm going to change you. I'm going to change your life, but I'm going to change you as we go. Not because I don't like you the way you are, but because if you want to walk into the life you know, of significance and impact that I've made you for, you are going to have to make some changes to get there. But I'll show you how. I'll show you how. Just stick with me. Follow me. Come with me. So the invitation to follow him is an invitation to hang out with him, to love him, to be loved with it by him, to do life with him. But, it, but it's an invitation that leads to a bigger life. Now, I wonder if you'd humour me for a moment. We have got some food in the car park coming up in about, I don't know, 20 minutes. But I want to... Um, does anybody here remember the game, Simon Says? Yes? yes? Anyone play that when they were a child? Yes. If you didn't play it as a child, your childhood deprivation is about to end now because I want to remind you how the game goes. So I'm going to ask you to stand up, and we're just going to refresh our memories. So if you can stand up as you, if you can, and I just want you to humour me for a couple of minutes. If you're feeling particularly sort of adult and grown up and thinking, what is this? Just get in touch with your inner child for a moment, just a moment, and we're going to have a quick burst of Simon Says. I don't know who Simon was. I don't know whether Simon was a good person or a bad person, but... For those of you that need a quick reminder, um, I'm going to give you a few little um, instructions. And if the phrase Hill says, we're we're ditching Simon, it's going to be Hills tonight. (laughs) If the phrase Hill says comes in front of that instruction, then you need to do it. And if the phrase Hill says isn't there, then you don't do it. Okay? So here we go. Hill says, put your hands on your head. Hill says, pull your ears and stick out your tongue. Hill says, stand on your right leg. Stand on your left leg. Oh! (laughs) So our ops manager is out. (laughs) Okay, here's another one. Hill says, turn around to face the back. Hill says, turn around to face the front. Okay, stick out your tongue. Oh, yeah, you're getting this. Very good. Okay, last one. Hill says, touch your left foot with your right hand. Oh, a bit tricky. Hill says, touch your left knee with your right elbow. Okay, Hill says, put your hand on someone else's head. Okay, put your hand on your own head. Oh. (laughs) Okay, well done, you can sit down. Okay, so the really smart ones of you in here are thinking there's got to be a point to that, and there is, and the point is this. 
Following Jesus looks like something. Following Jesus looks like something. And the first thing that following Jesus looks like is letting him lead. The invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to let him lead. If you're a follower, there has to be a leader. So when you're following someone, whoever that someone is, and we all follow someone, when you're following someone, that someone else is calling the shots in your life, or that something else is calling the shots in your life. What or who is calling the shots in your life? Following Jesus is an invitation to let him call the shots. And when Jesus says, follow me, what he's really saying to you is, let me call the shots in your life. He's saying, Hills, let me call the shots in your life. So following him, responding to that invitation is making a conscious decision to go, yep, okay, Jesus, I'm going to let you call the shots in my life. I'm going to give you the mic, as it were. I'm going to let you call the shots. And this invitation to relationship, it is an invitation to friendship. The Bible says that. It is an invitation to love and companionship. The Bible says that. But it's not an invitation to an equal relationship where he calls the shots sometimes and I call the shots at other times. But I don't know about you, that's how I live so often. I kind of want the mic. And I end up sometimes, my relationship with Jesus goes something like, you know, Jesus, would you give me a job? Jesus, would you give me a relationship, a friendship? Jesus, would you heal my mum? Jesus, would you deliver me from this situation? Jesus, would you answer this prayer? Jesus, would you answer that prayer? And I end up with the mic, and I end up being the one issuing the instructions, and I'm the one that ends up sometimes expecting Jesus to follow me. I don't know if you're anything like me. I knew somebody a while ago who um, had been... been, uh, talking to Jesus for quite a long time about bringing a partner into their life, praying and praying for a spouse. And after a while, this person got a little bit, well, more than a little bit upset with Jesus that he didn't deliver. And this person got so upset with Jesus that the sort of following element of her relationship sort of slowed down, really. She began to turn her back on Jesus. And it was as if, without realising it, in deciding to follow him, she'd signed up for a relationship where he would kind of follow her too. And I really get that because so many times we end up in this life being disappointed or not understanding why for some reason things don't work out the way we want to. But do you know what? We've been invited to, into a relationship of trust and we don't understand everything. We don't understand the way life completely works. But we do know that he's good and we do know that he's faithful to his promise that he's always at work for our good. In all things, he's working for our good. But Jesus never promises to follow us. He says, if you follow me, I get the mic. You're giving me permission to to lead. You're giving me permission to lead and I will lead you into a life of significance and impact. But you have to follow me. I don't follow you. So yes, he invites us to bring our needs before him. The Bible says that over and over again. Yes, he invites us to talk about everything with him. He is a friend, to be honest about our desires and our dreams and our doubts and our disappointments and everything else. But Jesus is not offering to follow us. Jesus is saying to us, follow me and I will make you. And that might mean 
It probably will mean at times that he will lead us through valleys, that he will lead us into wildernesses, that he will, yes, at times lead us to mountaintops, but at other times he will lead us into the places we'd rather not go because that's part of the journey of him getting us to where he wants to get us to and where we want to get to. But he's a good shepherd and he says, if you follow me, I'll lead you into a life of significance and impact. So following him looks like letting him lead. It also looks like working out his word. It looks like working out his word. Following Jesus is intensely practical. I'm sure many of you here follow a load of people on Instagram and Twitter. I do. I think most of us probably do. And you can follow anybody these days. Do you know that Jesus is Lord has an account on Instagram? Unfortunately, he has far fewer uh, followers than Justin Bieber, but I did check out Jesus has his own account on Instagram. And when you follow somebody on Instagram, all you have to do is to press a button, isn't it? You press that button, follow, and that's it. You're a follower. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think most of us, when we come to our Instagram accounts, you know, every, whether it's once a day or a number of times a day, sort of what being a follower is, is you scroll through, don't you? You scroll through and you look at the pictures that you like and you might comment on the odd one and you keep going and you delete somebody if you've seen enough of their food and you just think, you know, there's too many meals being posted on that account. And I wonder if sometimes we're a bit like that with Jesus when we follow him and we kind of scroll through some of the things that he says. And it's like, oh, he says, forgive, don't like that, scroll fast through that one. And then he says, but you're my masterpiece. I, you know, you're my masterpiece and I've prepared you for good works. And we press like, because we really like that one. And then we keep scrolling through and he says, don't worry, that's too hard. Keep scrolling through that one. And then he says something like, I don't know, I will never forsake you. And we share that, because that is so cool. And then he, he wants to, he's got a post there about sexual purity. Don't like that. Scroll through that one. And I wonder if that's how we follow Jesus sometimes or how we think following him looks. That somehow we get to decide which bits we like, which bits we don't like, which bits are worth sharing, which bits are repeating. Following Jesus involves working out his word. It involves working out his word. He's got the mic. If you've chosen to let him lead, he's got the mic. And he's got things to say. And some of them are amazingly easy to hear. And some of them are a little bit more challenging to hear. But he knows what's best for us. He knows what's going to bring us life. He knows what's going to bring us freedom. He knows what's going to expand our capacity to love him and be loved by him. So some of those tougher things that he might say to us, well, they're still for our good. Will we let him lead? And if we will, we've got to work out his word. The disciples here in this passage, they heard the word, didn't they? Follow me. And they worked it out immediately. Off they trotted. That was it. They heard the word and they put it into practice. They did something with what Jesus said. John chapter 10, he says this, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We can't follow Jesus if we're not hearing what he's saying. And we're not following Jesus if we're not putting his word into practice, if we're not working out his word. What are you hearing? What's he saying to you at the moment? We're not really, sheep don't have selective hearing. 
What are you hearing at the moment? What's he saying to you? Because this is how he makes us into the people that he's going to make us into. This is how he leads us into the life that he has prepared for us. It's through speaking to us and expecting us to, to uh, respond. What's he saying to you at the moment? Do you know? When did you last hear him speaking to you? Are you listening? Are you reading your Bible? Because if you're not reading your Bible, you're going to find it really hard to hear what Jesus is saying to you. What's he saying? What are you doing with what he's saying to you? Following Jesus is really just a matter of taking one step after the other, isn't it? Walking with somebody is literally a matter of putting your left foot in front of your right foot. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. One step, one step, one step, one step. And suddenly you've moved from here to over there. What's the next step that Jesus is asking you to take? Because it'll only be one step. Is he asking you to pray more? Is he asking you to read your Bible? Maybe he's asking you to join a group. Maybe he's asking you to walk across the office or to walk across your you know, lecture hall to speak to somebody that you've noticed but you've never really had the courage to go and speak to. Maybe he's asking you to let go of something. Maybe he's asking you to get involved somewhere. What's he asking you to do? What's the next step that he's asking you to take? I don't know what your next step is. I only know what my next step is, but there's always a next step. And that's all the Christian life is, hearing his voice, working out his word, taking the next step. So following Jesus looks like something. It looks like letting him lead. It looks like working out his word. And it looks like, lastly, giving up so that we can go up. I thought that was a cool phrase spoken out by somebody at the leadership conference. So I thought, right, I'm speaking on Sunday. I'll have that. Give up to go up. Look at these guys in the story. They hear Jesus call him. He comes along. He says, follow me. And they have to give something up to follow him. They let go of their nets. They leave their boats. One guy left his dad and his hired men because Jesus is on the move. Jesus is going somewhere. Jesus is going into a future that they you know, feel like there's a part in that future for me. Jesus is on the move. So he invites them to give something up so that they can go on up, as it were, to this greater life, or this bigger life of significance. And there will be times on our journey with him where he invites us to give something up in order to be able to go on up. Maybe that's true for you at the moment. What is he inviting you to give up? A number of years ago, many years ago actually, when I was at university and I began to realise that God was a God who speaks and that I could have a relationship with him and that he loved me and that he had this bigger life for me, I started twigging that Jesus had something to say about all kinds of different areas in my life. So I began to pray about the boy I was going out with at the time, who was actually a Christian. He was a really nice chap, but I began to involve Jesus in my kind of thinking and my discussion and my, and my talking. And, and so I started praying and asking God to show me, asking Jesus to show me, you know, about this chap and, you know, whether I should carry on going out with him or whatever. And in the end, he said no. He said, I want you to give him up. And me being me, I'm slightly dramatic, I'm slightly overdramatic at times, and I translated, give him up, as in, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. So it took me a few weeks to pluck up the courage to, to finish with this chap, and uh, thinking that I was, you know, probably going to become a nun or something like that, I don't know. And, uh, so, but I did. Jesus was asking me to give something up. He was asking me to give up this relationship, and it wasn't a toxic relationship, it was just the wrong relationship. 
So I did that. Three weeks later, Tim came along and I met Tim and you know, he started showing an interest in me and of course I thought, well, I can't possibly be interested in him because uh, you know, God's asked me to be a nun and I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. Because <laughs> I'm a bit like that. But, you know, it didn't take long for, for Tim to persuade me and God to persuade me. But, you know, God had, a, God had something better for me. Jesus had something better for me. Tim was meant to be part of my future. I didn't know that. I had to give something up before, you know, he gave me something else that was better. A number of years ago, we, uh, we lived in Cheltenham. We had a baby. Uh, we lived in Rickmansworth, sorry, just north of London. We had a baby. And God started speaking Jesus started speaking about moving to Cheltenham. I didn't want to come to Cheltenham. I'd never been to Cheltenham before. I was really happy where I lived. I didn't want him to change his job. I didn't want to come here. He started speaking about coming to this church before we'd even arrived in Cheltenham. I didn't want to come here when we got here. I came in here. It was, you know, it was a really small church. It was really dark and dingy, and there were you know, not very many people here. And God was saying, I want you to give up where you are. Jesus was saying, I want you to give up where you are. I want you to give up living in this place. And I want you to give up your dreams of the kind of church you want to go to. And he led us here. And, uh, you know, we've had the most incredible family life and experience. And to be part of of growing this church, it, it has been more than we could ever have imagined in that area of our lives. But he didn't promise us that in advance. He just said, trust me, give up where you are. I'm moving you on in order to go up, as it were. One of my uh, sons at the moment has given up certain elements of social media because he felt Jesus saying the same thing to him. But what he, what he would say at the moment is he's got an incredible new level of intimacy of, with Jesus in this season of his life, a level of intimacy that he has never had before. He's had to give something up for a season in order to go up, as it were, a level in his connection with Jesus. There are times when Jesus asks us to give something up in order to go on up, as it were, in life. I've got a little slide here. I don't know if we can have it up here. It's a slightly naff little cartoon because Jesus doesn't give out teddies. (laughs) But it illustrates the point really well. You know, there's a girl saying, I love what I've got in my hand and Jesus has got something so much bigger for her. But he doesn't show us what he's got for us before he invites us to trust him and give up the thing that it is that he's potentially asking us to give up. We want to see what he's got for us before we let go of the thing that he's potentially asking us to let go of because that's how we work. But you know, we've been invited into a relationship and a life of faith. You know, walking by faith is not walking by sight. There are times where he will invite us to give up something so that he can give us more. And for some of us, maybe one or two of us here this evening, you know what that is. Maybe you're wrestling with God about it. But he's got something bigger. He's got something richer. He's got something better for you. But you will only be able to receive it when you've let go of the thing that it is that he's inviting you to give him. Jesus is reissuing his invitation to all of us again this evening. He reissues it to us every day. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. I've got so much more for you. I've got a bigger life for you. I've made you to make an impact. I've made you to make a difference. I've made you to live a life of significance. But you're going to have to let me lead. You're going to have to work out my word. You're going to have to be willing to give something up every now and again that gets in the way of the next thing that I've got for you. But he's invited us into this life of adventure. 
He's invited us into this life of adventure and he's got, he's got more that he wants to do in us and through us for every one of us here. It's just saying yes on a daily basis. Yes, maybe again this evening. Yes to his invitation to follow him, to walk with him into the more that he has prepared for us. So why don't we stand? We're going to do a bit of praying before we head on over to the car park. For those of you that are visitors or are new here, we like to end our times together by just giving God a bit of time and space to minister to our hearts personally. He's been speaking. But I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and just fix the eyes of your heart on this Jesus who loves you and on this Jesus who's saying to you again in this moment, follow me, follow me, follow me. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for this phenomenal invitation that you make to each of us every day to follow you on into life, to be with you, to be where you are, to experience more of your love, to grow into more of your love, and to be channels of your love to this world. Holy Spirit, would you just come? Just come in the quiet. We open our hearts to you. We welcome you again. And just come and have your way in these moments. Come to us. Some of you just have this sense that you've given him permission to lead in some areas of your life. But there are other areas that you've maybe ring-fenced from him. 
and whether it's been consciously or subconsciously. There are, there are areas or there's an area of your life that you're, you know you're holding back from him. Maybe a, your relational area of your life, it might be to do with your job, it might be to do with your finances, but it's like you've kind of put your arm around it and said, no, Jesus, I'm, I don't want you to lead in that area. And I believe he's inviting you this evening. He's reissuing that invitation, follow me, let me lead. And he's inviting you to give that area of your life over to him, maybe for the first time. Or maybe you need to do it again. You've given it over to him once, but you've taken it back, but you know that you need to let him have it, as it were. If that's you, just right now, in the quietness of your heart, just acknowledge that with him and hand it back to him. Name it. Name that, that part of your life that he's asking you to hand over to him again. And say, Jesus, I want to let you lead. And I want to let you lead me in this area of my life.